Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, Critical Role has returned. We talk about Shovel Knight, diversity in D&D, and Lucian's dead character. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the return of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with the silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another show. We missed you. We're glad yeah. we're here. Very Maybe glad we'll to be miss back. miss you again. Uh, Not sure. <laughs> thank you for understanding. Uh, you'll notice <laughs> yeah. that my background is very bare. My, my bookshelves are empty because it is uh, moving week. And so everything is in boxes. And hopefully next week uh, I'll be in the new house and I'll have a new backdrop and it'll be awesome. Uh, and we can have another show. But there potentially might not be a show or Lucian if you want. You can find a special guest host. Um, I hear uh, LB Hack'em Up is a popular choice. I don't know. Everyone really yeah. seems to want to replace me or you with her. So, um, happy they just want to give the show to her. Like, they <laughs> it's just gonna be yeah. It's just, it's just <laughs> um, happy Fourth of July, America's birthday. Uh, very exciting. Be safe out there. If you are yeah. in uh, a COVID virusy area, hey, be careful. Con- consider staying home or wearing a mask. Uh, no. That is my personal recommendation to you, just so you are safe. Uh, because that's spooky. I'm excited for. Uh, all the fireworks to keep my baby up and dog all night. Because it happened last night yeah. already, and it wasn't oh, yeah. even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> so it's going to be crazy. It's going to be yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, we are Dungeons Dragons. Go ahead. Fireworks are dangerous. They are cool. Oh, I love fun. them. I've loved them oh, yeah. all the time. But be careful. Don't be one of those stories where something bad happens and you have to go to the hospital. Just safely use them <laughs> if <Yes>. you can. <laughs> um, yes. Be be safe. Have fun. Be happy, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, we are a Dungeons Dragons uh, D&D talk show where yes. we just kind of talk about the news of D&D and mm-hmm. the games that we're playing. Uh, we also talk about inspiration that we have for running our games or running new yeah. games, um, as well as anything else that kind of pops into our mind. Uh, and today is America's birthday. Uh, yeah. I'm moving, so I, I actually <laughs> haven't played games at all in a while mm-hmm. um, because it's been, do you want to go play games or do you want to... Uh, pack and i want to go play games but my wife says that i want to pack so (laughs) i've been packing um no it's good though we're gonna get the whole house uh up and running i think we're mostly there um and it's gonna it's gonna work out and the new house is gonna be great so everything's gonna be just awesome yep and i'm all for the saying a happy wife is a happy life so you might as well just listen to her (laughs) she's right (laughs) um yeah it's funny like hey can i uh you got these boxes and this baby right i'm just gonna go roll some (laughs) dice for three hours like that's just yeah (laughs) um no we are the mirror universe uh of the saturday morning D D show just so you know um maybe we should have put like Tuesday morning D and D show since we have evil bearded Lucian and evil yeah. bearded uh, Jordan. Um, for I've those been of you enjoying the week, yes. For those of you listening on the podcast, uh, we we have grown some facial hair because of the quarantine. So, and I'm actually really enjoying this beard. And normally I grow a beard and then I try to cut it really fast uh, mm-hmm. because I'm like, ah, it's kind of dumb. But like, I'm really I'm, I'm digging this. I think I might especially in the summertime is making yeah, it hot. It's too hot. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. well, we're gonna see. Mm-hmm. Um, there. 
there is some news, uh, some stuff yeah. going on in the world of D&D. Something that slipped past me um, that I thought was really cool is uh, mm-hmm. a Shovel Knight D&D tie-in. Now, Lucian, yeah. have you played the game Shovel Knight? I did a, lo- a while back, and it was kind of fun. Um, and I did like it. I'm trying to remember what I played it on. Though. I don't remember what kind of It's on, of like, device. every system. Like, yeah, so I was trying to remember what I bought it on. Because I was thinking, could I go find it again? Now that you mentioned this in our news, I was like, oh, I should go find it again and, and get it. But, yeah, I played a tiny bit of it when it first came out. Um, yeah, it's uh, a 8-bit... Um, yeah. or 16 bit, maybe, uh, yeah, something like it. it's an old, older looking game, even though it's new. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've made a lot of like, uh, sequels with this. Um, mm-hmm. but I think the sequels are wrapped up in what you originally buy. So oh, that's yeah. kind of the cool thing. Like, uh, yacht club games, I believe, uh, made this and they've been very proactive of like, if you bought the game, you get the extra stuff we're working on. And so mm-hmm. they're like, we just want to sell more copies of the game rather than nickel and dime our fans. And I really like that. So nice. uh, it's 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 fun. I like this. I have not uh, finished playing Shovel Knight, but I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But a uh, friend of the show and friend of mine, uh, Ted from Nerd Immersion, did a video. And I was like talking to him about it. And I think this came out at the beginning of the year. But they made a Shovel Knight class for Dungeons & Dragons 5e. And I'll put a link in the show notes, but you can search this and you'll find it as well. And it's called like Shovels and Shields. Um, And it's really cool. Like they got fun artwork because they're they're a game company. They got all this other stuff, Mm -hmm. but they've got Mm -hmm. like the knight class. And then there is various subclasses for that class, including uh, the shovel. And so you, you attack with a shovel and you get extra things. You can dig in the ground and flip enemies over and things like that. Um, there's a shield class. Cause I guess there's a character in the game that has dual shields. So that's kind of cool. Like we haven't seen that before we have double shields. Um, mm. and anyway, it's, it's fun. I think it's very clever. It's really well thought out. I, the more I was reading it, the more I'm like, I kind of want to play this. <laughs> um, and was, uh, thinking back to the, uh, early days of my D&D career where everything mm-hmm. was pen and paper. And I actually yeah. encouraged a lot of homebrew. Now that I'm using D&D Beyond so much, I kind of been shunning away from homebrew because, well, it doesn't synergize with D&D Beyond and I get frustrated yeah. that it doesn't auto-calculate for me. And it's nigh impossible to do a custom class in D&D Beyond. Right. Uh, so I don't know, like, but did you read it? Did you look at this at all? Did you like it? Yeah, I mean, I like the, uh, and uh, Danimal just said, Shovel Knight makes me think of the 1999 movie Mystery Men, which is yes. exactly what makes me think of it. Because as that year on Halloween, I went as the shoveler and had a shovel on yes. my back for Halloween, which was awesome. And I love that costume. And um, so, yeah, I thought this was a cool tie-in. I wouldn't mind playing something. When you said tie-in, though, I was thinking, like, they had maybe put D&D stuff into their game. I wasn't thinking that they were bringing stuff from their game into D&D. So oh, that's yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, no, that's, that's, that's what accessible. they they were like, I guess. And I guess thinking about it, the uh, League of Legends Runeterra did the same thing, mm-hmm. where they're taking stuff from their game. And, then, and, it, and it's weird, because you would think that you would want to, I don't know, I guess... I guess here's the thing. Like, if I... I'm thinking of Stranger Things. If I put yeah. D&D in my Stranger Things TV show, you're taking fans of the show and making them curious about D&D. 
Mm-hmm. And this other flip must be, well, there's a big D&D fan base. I'll put my Shovel Knight stuff there, hoping that they like it enough that they'll buy the game. I guess that's the mentality, yeah, could right? Be. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I like it. I and mean, I like all these eight big games that have been coming out. There's been a couple that really caught my eye. Uh, Children of Morta on Steam has looked really good. 8 bit. Uh, Undungeon. You guys Und- see me tweeting about that all the time because I love that artwork that they're doing. And there's all these great kind of old school games, but have newer technology driving them and newer developers with new ideas driving what can be done mm-hmm. with these old school graphics that are still cool i mean i still i play minecraft for, you know so <laughs> i like blocks so i i love it i love that there there's still some really cool stuff there but they've made it look good too it's not just 8-bit it's good looking 8-bit stuff or you know it's yeah or it's 8-bit-esque even though they're probably using a lot more than 8-bits to to build their models and stuff yeah. so i think it's cool there's a lot of cool stuff out there i love the idea that shovel knight is shovel knight was a fun game as i remember it because it was very kind of reminded me of my Nintendo days. It's very Nintendo-like. Super Nintendo is what it kind of mm. reminded me of, is the type of games I would buy on Super Nintendo was very Shovel Knight-like. You know, it was almost Joust-like and, yeah. and side-scroller-like and, you know, those kind of cool games that uh, that are fun to dive into for 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe an hour, and you go off and do some other stuff, and it's just fun and cool, and uh, you get to yeah. play with it. So I think it's cool that they got something. I'll have to look it up. I'd love to play a knight who runs around with a shovel smashing people in the face with a silvered shovel. That would be super cool. Um, uh, a character concept that I haven't quite been able to make it work is I want a, um, a chef barbarian who attacks people with a frying pan. Okay. So like my interest, <laughs> very angry, turns into yeah. a rage, has his frying pan, does bludgeoning damage. Like, his name I want is that. Gordon Ramsay. Something, yeah. I <laughs> thought it would be yells. so funny. Uh, but I haven't quite made it work yet. Um, another fun 8-bit game, uh, now we're the mm-hmm. 8-bit game show, uh, is, uh, oh, I just had it up. What did it, uh, Hyperlight Drifter. Oh, um, God, yeah. And that was one that I really loved. And then they made an RPG for that. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, they tried to do a Kickstarter to finish it, and I think the Kickstarter didn't fund, which is sad right. um, because it was really like cool. But then I think it. about it, and I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't back it. I should have if I really I wanted it, you know. Like I didn't think about it, but um, <laughs> but I really love that game. It's a really cool world, and I think the RPG aspect would have expanded on that really cool world that they created. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, um, cool. Critical Role is back. This was a big deal. Uh, Since the virus hit, they have not been playing, Um, Mm -hmm. but they made an announcement video that they're like, hey, we're going to start playing. Here's all the precautions we're taking. Everybody's going to be six feet apart at the table, blah, blah, blah. Um, Mm -hmm. They're also testing weekly for the virus um, before they all come in. And they have a production crew and stuff like that. So this is a big deal, but they want to keep their people safe. But there was a big... Um, hubbub on Twitter and stuff about it of like, wh- why didn't, why not just use Zoom? Like, wh- why, why do they have to be in the same room? And a lot My of people studio. were defending yeah. them saying uh, that the chemistry and the synergy between their friendship and things like that, like they wouldn't get the same kind of feel. Uh, but I, I don't know, personally, I don't buy that because a lot of people, I guess I know a lot of people that stream on the internet and it's like, oh, okay. Uh, but thoughts, like why, yeah, yeah. why well, was well, let this? Me... Let me sorry and dash the uh, that theory you just brought up because nearly 85% of the show has somebody virtual on a laptop screen because the they past, couldn't yeah. make it 
yeah. to the show, but yet played an important character who stayed friends with everybody the entire time through most of it. And yeah. she was busy. She had a fantastic career going on. The mm-hmm. only way she could make it was to be on the laptop. So they've already kind of been doing that. So I don't buy that so much as a, it and that wasn't the them saying, show. yeah, that yeah, wasn't yeah. them no, no, being not like, them. we yeah, can't yeah. do Zoom. So I'm not faulting yeah. Matt Mercer, Critical yeah. Role, and all those. But like I the think... fans were trying to make excuses for it. And yeah. I don't know. They haven't said why they do that. Maybe yeah, their I production think... level quality is just like, we want to bring our A game, and we don't bring our A game if we're doing this. Yeah. But I think the difference um, is they are actors. In they, they have careers as actors, and all of those careers came to a stop when covid happened right so all the studio stuff they were doing all that stuff kind of stopped because california said stop production we're not having these things going on so they are real actors and so i think they took that and applied it to their whole life so they said okay we need to we need to quarantine we're gonna, everybody needs to be on break we're not going places so i think they did that across all of their stuff they are which is different because if we're running a show we're streamers online or we're amateur youtubers or we're people that just like to play games and, and post them so people can watch them. They're actors putting on a production, which I think is kind of, we sometimes forget is different than what we do, even though they're in the same space as me and you have run shows that look just like the show they run, except, you know, not sitting around a table. So yeah, I think that's the mentality that they had. And maybe they weren't even thinking, oh, wait, we could still just do this and keep going. It was mm-hmm. more like, hey, my whole career is on, on hold all the studios are shut down. So until we know what's going on, we'll just take a couple months off and then, you know, we'll all be back to working it. Cause remember in the beginning too, nobody knew it was going to be two or three months. It started out like in the very beginning, it was only going to be a week or two or people weren't sure. Yeah. But as maybe the week a started drying on, yeah. then it was like, no, maybe it's going to need to be a month. Oh, no, now it needs to be more of a month. So I think it was a weird thing. So I don't fault them for taking a break. I don't fault them for saying, Hey, let's, let's kick back. And if they don't want to do zoom or, or Skype or whatever company, because any company would have uh, sponsored them if they wanted to use their video, black magic cameras probably would have sponsored them to do some really cool stuff from home, but they just want to take a break, take a break. I don't know. No it kinda, me. And, and yeah, maybe they didn't need to take a break. My theory was that there was actually some uh, actor union stuff that was like, no, we're not allowing you to do um, like you can't, do this without the production crew that you've already hired because of like unions and things like that. So for them to bypass those, those crew members that are under contract and do it online, they might not have been able to do that. Cause they may be a real production company. They may not just be a Twitch channel. Exactly. Exactly. Like, and, and you get into that scenario where there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are Mm. like you can't just stop our jobs and there's a lot of unions that stop or are preventing that from happening actors and because if if those weren't in place and uh you know so and so was sick and they're like well we'll just do this and this guy in the background will hold the boom mic for this scene that we're trying to record well all of a sudden that that you know uh tacky guy is getting replaced by somebody who is getting paid minimum wage to, you know, water dogs or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's a big union guild thing going on. So I I wonder if that was it, but it it just was really weird. And a lot of people felt like, Hey, um, why don't you, you're, you're, you're kind of forgetting where you came from, where you guys were literally playing in an apartment, filming on Twitch. And now 
that's cool that you have this big thing, but like, I don't know. I think a lot of people, yeah. I, I personally, I'm not a big, I'm not a big critical role fan. I like, I like the people a lot, but I just oh, don't dear. follow their story, but they, um, it, it feels like that would have been a cool way to, to tell the story again. And especially mm -hmm. to promote online gaming because they're just like, Oh, you guys play, you like critical role. We're sorry you can't play with your friends right now, but like we're playing online. Guess what? You can too, you know? And mm -hmm. if I was Roll20, if I was Fantasy Grounds, I would have been on the phone immediately saying, Will you use my online tabletop for like the three weeks of quarantine? And yeah, like yeah. we'll pay you to use it or something. So, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I'm sure there's more to the story. It was just weird. Uh, I didn't catch their latest episode. I'm not sure how it went, but they came back this Thursday. Uh, a lot of people are happy. My friends included. My uh, my D and D table are big Critical Role fans, and big fan base. They're yeah. excited base. that Critical Role is back. So, mm -hmm. overall, I guess that's the takeaway: is we should just be excited that Critical Role is back. So yeah, yeah. And the story continues. I and think the they story made. Continues. Well, I saw. I think I saw a tweet about, or they were doing a video on. They just made level twelve or something, maybe. And yeah, they they made a whole video of them like, yeah. let's roll our hit dice. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, honestly, I I understand that that's content. And if I was in the if I was in a position to do that, I'd be like, you know what, this is silly, but people want to see me roll dice for yeah, a yeah. permanent number of this character that they're interested in. That they're um, not just interested, they are. Fanatics, yeah. fans fanatics of. for. <laughs> so I, I would do the same thing at the same yeah. time. Felt very silly to be like, "You're gonna just watch me roll a d10." Cool. Yeah. Like, right. I don't here know. we go. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, side note: I'm actually getting more and more interested in. I think we've talked about this before, but like, I, I like point by because it's very standard. And the game yeah. is balanced around point boy or standard array for D and D, um, mm -hmm. but lately I've becoming increasingly interested in uh, rolling for stats and rolling hit points because it makes your character that much more different, and I like that yeah. idea. Um, where yeah. you could have a level three of like, oh my gosh, I got twelve hit points this level. That's so cool. And then you have a level seven where you're like, I literally got two hit points this level. That sucks. But yeah. there's a part of that like there's just a fun aspect of that in both swings i think you know mm -hmm. so but usually i'm always like no we won't roll dice we'll just take this yeah because it, it feels games, the better option you know to take yeah in all of our games me and danimo who's our dungeon master for basically the the circle of people i'm playing with at the mm -hmm. moment we're all big on getting some randomness in there somewhere so we're always doing you know 46 drop one yeah um danimal goes a little easier on us to make sure you have at least overall you have like a plus two bonus um or you can re-roll but i was more mean than that i was just like drop you know 46 drop one but we also were doing some random care uh, class random race table stuff to, to really mix it up with people to give them a chance yeah. to stretch their imagination or play something that they might not have picked or might not even thought could make fun until they started playing it and realized, wait a minute, I just created a GIF druid that I never would have created, mm -hmm. but now this personality is coming out. Now these skills are coming out. What is this person about? And it's a way to really explore something that you might not have off the top of your head say, hey, I can't wait to make this, this next character. So, and hit points. We're all big on making sure you roll your hit points, not take the, the average, and just let, let the gods of the dice you know, decide in this campaign, do I have this fighter who keeps rolling low HP on his rolls and I just have to deal with that? Do I have this uh, wizard who's been rolling really good? He's like a powerhouse or 
or you know, or does a stereotype come out and the wizard has super low hit points, so low that in fact that he's the glassiest cannon of all glass cannons, you know, or or she or whatever type of character you're making. Yeah, so I'm kinda... embracing some of the randomness to things. Yeah, and I was talking about it with some friends that uh, you might have an idea where you're like, I really want to play a dwarf druid, mm-hmm. but after you roll the stats. You're like, oh, now that I roll the stats, you know, I kind of still want to play a druid, but like maybe a gith druid. Like I never thought about that, but that just kind of yeah. synergizes better with what I rolled. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's kind of fun because you might play a class that you're not as interested in uh, mm-hmm. and then realize that you're having a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Secondly, what you were saying about hit points, like what if you are the wizard that's rolling ridiculously high hit points every turn by the time you're level five you're like you know what i'm gonna take more melee touch spells i'm gonna get close because i can get close like i was gonna be a ranged wizard but now that we're actually playing i'm like it would be kind of fun to do this and so Mm -hmm. uh it's it's kind of it's cool like i i don't know that's my side note um the next big thing in the news it actually uh, happened just to do that Uh, my wizard my war wizard was doing pretty good rolling average you know, mm-hmm. a high low roll here, a low roll there, but then it would average out over like seven or eight levels. And like at level seven or eight, I picked up an ability or a magic item that raised my constitution to 20. Oh, wow. Yeah. And retroactively, it all of a sudden made my wizard have something like 50 or 60 hit points. <laughs> and immediately my play style changed because I was like, I'm getting right in there. Yeah. And I'm hitting stuff with, you know, shocking grasps and doing all kinds of crazy and not worried about taking a hit anymore because I've got some hit point buffer there. Mm-hmm. And I, and so the joke was then that he was more, he was stronger and more healthy than our paladin. So he's why I kept always uh, describing him as having big muscles and walking around <laughs> and flexing and stuff on our paladin and our paladin would always give him a side of him, which I thought was super funny. Uh, yeah. It was the amulet of health made the con to 19. And I, yeah. I think yeah. So damn. Wizard. So it just made it really cool to have this, this wizard that could take a hit and not just be a glass cannon made the whole play style super different. So it was very cool. It's cool to to switch that up, to switch those stereotypes around. Yeah. Um, I've also been, it's funny because uh, with rod of seven parts, uh, the cast members were saying like, you're giving us some like kind of kooky magic items, but also they're, they're really powerful, but like, we don't exactly know how to use them sometimes. Because mm-hmm. I've I've been emphasizing not just like here's a plus one longsword, but like I wanted to give them weird things, um, and uh, that has been a fun mechanic too. Where mm-hmm. I'm like, players like having powerful magic items, and usually I've been because I overdid it in one campaign. La- later campaigns I've been kind of stingy with them. Stingy. But yeah. uh, I'm realizing now that that is the wrong mentality for Jordan. Uh, if if you want to play a, a game like that, there is a that is a way to do it. But I I think players like getting magic items, and I've been having fun DCC. giving them. So uh, it's been kind of cool. Very cool. Um, this uh, something we'll talk to touch on kind of well briefly. But uh, diversity in D anD D, Wizards of the Coast uh, p- published a blog post basically that said that they're they're going to try and remove some culturally insensitive text from released adventures, which is kind of awesome. Um, Uh, And specifically, uh, Tomb of Annihilation, which has some references to stuff that they're like, we don't need to reference people in this way. And Curse of Strahd, uh, the Vistani, who are a Romanian type of, uh, historically, they were based on Romanian people. Um, So they're like, maybe we shouldn't play up these stereotypes with the Vistani, and maybe the Vistani can be something uh, else or be 
a reflection of them in a positive light as opposed to a negative. Uh, it's really up to Wizards of the Coast. They aren't specific about the changes that they want to make. They're not saying, like, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, but it is kind of interesting. They're going to change that. Um, mm-hmm. Also, they want to kind of abandon the word race in describing what type of creature you're playing. Pathfinder's already done this. I think your, your you know, D&D race is a Pathfinder ancestry, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're changing. That's a good word. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just kind of making it more... I don't know, better, like more modern, I guess. Like this is kind of how the world thinks we want to change it up. We want to make sure that our game fits with uh, the modern world. Um, Mm -hmm. And the thing that I thought was interesting though, is that uh, there's been a lot of talk of alignment. So they're going to change not necessarily the alignment system where we have good, neutral, evil, lawful, chaotic, but uh, what does that mean for your character? And if you are, a drow, do you have to be inherently chaotic evil? And it's like, well, no, you don't. You could be a lawful good drow, or you could be this drow, or, or anything like that. So they want to get away from the humanoid races having like a set evil or chaotic alignment, which got me thinking about uh, alignment in general and the history of Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm like, why do we have alignment in D&D? Um, you need so a bad go ahead. Guy. You, yeah, you need a bad guy. That's because if a you're adventurers who are going to take a sword and chop somebody's head off, you can't go chop the head off of somebody that's lawful good, right? And call your game something that people will want to play. So the <laughs> thing you are chopping the head off has to be evil, yeah, for it to make sense and for it not to go crazy back in the '70s or even nowadays, yeah. or even having teenage kids, eighth graders and stuff playing the way to get around the violence is okay is because it's against violence against really bad people. Yeah. And so you I can have bad from. wizards and you can have bad, yeah, uh, like the Thay wizards are evil and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it really comes, it comes down to mythology. Like we, in mythology, we have good versus evil. You know, you have the good gods and the bad gods and you're yeah. doing X and Y. Um, and then I was researching some more and I didn't realize this, but law versus chaos was a reflection of good versus evil in the sense of law was humanity and civilization and chaos was uh, what non-humans throbbed, thrived on. So uh, evil monsters and things like that, they were the embodiment of chaos. And that came from a book that inspired D&D. It's on the appendix and reading list called Three Hearts and Three Lions by Paul Anderson. Uh, it's, on my, oh. it's on my next book to read because I'm really curious mm-hmm. about the, the fiction that inspired original D&D. And I've been going through a lot of those books. So I don't know where this will go. I'm not sure. Uh, there's a lot of, if you're active on Twitter, there's a lot of stuff happening on Twitter right now that we really won't get into. Uh, but you should go read up on it and, and uh, don't yell at people, but joining the discussion is good. So uh, Yeah, I like the yeah. idea that I, I've always thought the race was weird just because the way we use it, is we use it as a description of people that are uh, uh, homo sapiens. And then there's a division of different types of homo sapiens, right? But then if you say, if you put that in a fantasy context and you said, well, elves is a race or dwarves are, they're not really homo sapiens and they're a different type. They're, they're a completely different species. They have a whole, they're not homo sapiens. They're something else. So it always seemed weird to me that, yeah, we would use a term that like that. Whereas I like the idea of a culture 
or like then you said ancestry was one yeah. way, but that's still kind of a, you know, does that fit with, um, I don't know, is ancestry still a, a human I think it does because you thing. can say, oh, I have a dwarvish be, yeah. ancestry or I have this. Even though I have a dwarvish ancestry, I was raised yeah, I like in Baldur's Gate around humans. And so I, blah, blah, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. But you, you I have I was like that, in the culture yeah. because you can have a bad culture. You could have a culture in some evil land. Mm-hmm fictionally that the culture has created evilness the way the culture is so that way it's okay to go and battle that culture right and, but then there's good cultures and there's neutral cultures and there's all this stuff it's not necessarily based on you know who the people are it's the 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 culture is the the grouping of laws and the agreements that they all have come up with that have created whatever they're doing so if their culture is oppress everybody around us uh, take everything we can take from everybody else because the stronger is the best and the weakest is the worst. That's a cultural decision. That group's made that decision. It's good, okay for my culture to go over and, you know, mess with that culture in a D and D setting. I think I like that idea of that, that. So, or like you said, the ancestry is your, your ancestors did this. So I don't know. I like the, I, I, I think it's great that they're changing that. I don't think there's any, and I also seem like the other big thing they were doing is getting rid of the abilities, uh, mechanical, differences was one of the things they were talking about too so it wasn't just uh, a grammatical change correct it wasn't just an alignment change to say these people because we've kind of had that i mean we have drizzt right he's he's not is he lawful evil in Uh, the books no well i don't think he's i mean he's good as far as i know i don't know if he has uh i don't think they 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 don't i don't think he has an alignment because Bob Salvatore is kind of like, I don't, because it's a real. Like, why it's a, give it's him an alignment? But yeah, yeah. but it's a, it's, a, it's a character, so it's not, not it's not, trope. it's not like a D and D thing where yeah. I'm going to play to my thing. And alignment has changed a lot with third, uh, fourth, and fifth edition. Because back in the day, it was like, oh, I can't use this lawful sword because I'm chaotic. Like it was, yeah. it was very much a definition of that. So, and there yeah. are still items like that in the game that can switch your mm-hmm. alignment and do things. But how you interpret that is kind of up to the player and the DM nowadays. Yeah. So. But I mean, going back to the the point of if they get rid of the mechanic. Uh, and I think I'm okay with this. I think I like the idea of get rid of the mechanical parts of being a race. That way anybody can look and, and be part of anything they want to be. And it's not part of you trying to decide, does it make me a better thief or does it make me a better fighter? Or does it make me a better wizard to be this thing? Because I get a plus two here. I get a plus something here. I get an ability at third level for this. I kind of like the idea that what you look like and how you present yourself is just totally creative and you can, anybody can do whatever they want. The mechanical pieces are coming from your training. Your mechanical pieces are coming from your experience. Mm -hmm. Your mechanical pieces are coming from the equipment that you use. I kind of like that. Yeah. So if they move in that direction, I think I'm, I like that. No, I do. Um, I think, like I said, it's just bringing it up to modern times and modern way of thinking. Um, And that is going to create mechanically, um, a lot of different interesting things. Uh, because if I have a dwarf who wants to be a wizard and studied at Candlekeep his whole life, I could give him plus two intelligence rather than plus two con. And uh, that that's more options. Yeah, yeah. It's more interesting to me. And Based on can, how you were raised, yeah. your bonus comes yeah, in. I love things that. Things like that. Oh, that. I'm getting a phone call. I'm going to cancel that. Nice. Let's answer. Uh, yeah. Hey, Hello, everybody. you're on the show. <laughs> you're on the show live. <laughs> um, this kind of brings us into a couple of things. Um, I, I guess we'll start with Bardic Inspiration. 
Um, Mr. Uh, This is where we talk about things that have inspired us during the week. Um, Specifically, Lucian inspired me with this one because you were in our uh, Saturday morning Discord (laughs) talking about spell ability or stealing abilities. Now, uh, do you want to talk about it a a little further? Uh, Just to preface where I'm going with my thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, when it, well, my character died. And so I'm in the last week, I'm in the process of creating a new character. And obviously I have a couple things in mind from what I've been watching. And it got me thinking I want to create a character, but this character has an ability to take an ability from an opponent every now and then. And I thought, oh, wouldn't that be a cool D&D ability that say once per combat, you could take an action and you could steal an ability from something you're fighting and use it for the rest of that combat. And then maybe it goes away after that or Mm -hmm. something. I was thinking... And then, so my my question was, hey, does anybody know? Is there a way to do this in D and D? It seems yeah. like seems like a cool thing that somebody would have already thought of. And maybe I just missed it in one of the rules or magic item, or maybe there's a subclass I happened to skim over and didn't realize they had. Um, maybe they could do it. So that's kind of what generated this. And I'm sure this is where you're going with your bardic inspiration. Yeah, yeah. So this idea of stealing somebody else's. Uh, ability not stealing i guess borrowing or just like mm-hmm. i i observe that and Copy. now i can do it for a limited amount of time like it's Copy kind of cat ability yeah. <laughs> well, yeah um so it's uh i don't know it's kind of interesting and then it got me thinking of i played a lot of final fantasy back in the day i still mm-hmm. love final fantasy and in final fantasy tactics and in final fantasy 5 and uh 6 there was a character that could do this there is the character of the mime or the class or job uh called mm-hmm. the mime and the mime's basic abilities are mimicking the creature that went before it. So yeah. in your party, you're like, oh, I have the white mage casting healing wind and or not. That's a bad example. I have the white mage casting cure wounds or something. And then uh, the mimic would mimic that and literally do the exact same thing, even though they don't have the mana points. They don't have mm-hmm. that as a subclass. They don't just have any special ability. It's just yeah. a special ability. So it got me thinking about, well, can you do that in D&D? Um, and I found a, a, a class, a homebrew class called Mime, where somebody nice. made a uh, Final Fantasy Tactics mimic class. And it's kind of interesting. I don't know if I would play this specifically, but but basically mm-hmm. you have a like save DC for mimic attacks and you have a, a mimic modifier. And then mm-hmm. you you emulate other people's attacks but use your stats for that. So like if somebody right. does a big greatsword attack, uh, the way I kind of envisioned it, and maybe I need to read it more thoroughly because it is just kind of this. Anyway, you like have a conjured greatsword that you attack, but you use your like proficiency and charisma for it based mm-hmm. on the guy that did that. Or if you, that guy casts a fireball, you could do something similar on your turn. Um, yeah. It had a lot of interesting things about... Uh, basically looking like other people and, and trying to do other things like that. Uh, uh, mimicking them, replicating effects by... Oh, why am I getting phone calls? <laughs> Your phone calls, yeah. Well, this all came up. Um, what I was really... The, I, I'll let the cat out of the bag a little bit. Is I, Obviously, I've been watching a lot of uh, Naruto, and I wanted to make Kakashi, who has the ability to copy somebody else's fighting style or special ability and so he ended up being called the copycat ninja 
to be able to do that. And I thought, oh, this is super cool. So how would I make a D&D version of Kakashi, the copycat ninja, and get to play it? And then eventually, once I figured that out, then I was going to have to talk to my Australian dungeon master and to let me actually do that if it wasn't super overpowered. So that might have been the hard part. Actually, the second part of that might have been the hard part. So that, I think, is where he was coming from. He also noticed that in that same thing, there was a Beastmaster uh, that he had in there from Final Fantasy V too. So not only was Jordan able to find the mime, but he's also able to find the Beastmaster, which also means, I bet if we look hard enough, there's lots of Final Fantasy tie-in, third-party uh, stuff to find to bring into your game if you want to bring in some Final Fantasy stuff yeah. into your game. So. Um. I missed what you said because I had to walk away. But (laughs) uh, specifically, Skull Dixon uh, pointed me to a, I think it's a fan-made, but you can buy it. And I did buy it. And it looks really cool. It's uh, essentially a Final Fantasy Tactics um, version of the game. Version of of tabletop D&D. Um, yeah. And it has a whole bunch of different classes that you can play. It's it really it's really cool. Uh, I forget That's the name fun. of it, but uh, if I remember, I'll try to put it in the in the show notes and stuff. Um, yeah. But cool. uh, yeah, so I don't know. Like I like this idea of a mime uh, character, but then I was also thinking that would be a fun idea for a villain. Mm-hmm. What if your villain, like like on his initiative, uh, replicated the last thing that was before him? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like one of those puzzle fights where they start throwing huge fireballs and then they notice that after that he throws a huge fireball. And so then you start delaying your turn because mm-hmm. if they can make the cleric heal so-and-so on his turn, he'll heal so-and-so. And I yeah. like that idea a lot of like him mimicking the person that went immediately before him. And if they can figure out like well what is he doing how is he doing this so it could be a fun i like that or and you could change it up a little bit you say round number one it does the last action round number two it does whatever the middle action was and round number three it does the top the first action and it mimics it but then it goes back around so if you get to round number four you're back down to the last action yeah you get around so then they can start to see a pattern and maybe they could puzzle it out and then like you said change their tactics to to benefit them versus what it's doing. I think that'd be kind of fun. That'd be, be kind cool, of confusing for the dungeon master, but sure. But maybe if you had three of these mimic or these mime classes that could mimic people um, and then put them yeah. in different, different areas of, uh, of um, yeah, you'd want to be prepared. Yeah. Like you'd want to have like a notepad next to you. Yeah. So you're watching each person in. Yeah. And so you're like, there. okay, yeah, it would and be, it would be tough, but I think that would be a really cool thing. Yeah. So. And you'd almost want to maybe finagle their uh, initiative role so that you could purposely play, maybe give them a, such a big minus on initiative that it always makes them at the very bottom or always puts them right where you need them. So it makes it easier for you to keep track of how the puzzle fight's going to go. But it would be a really fun fight, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so that is my bardic inspiration. Uh, Specifically, the Beastmaster thing that I put in our show notes was, uh, I was writing that and I'm like, I forgot that Beastmaster is like, once the the beast was in lower hit points, you would try to capture it 
in this mm -hmm. like magical gourd. And then later on, you could release the monster and different monsters did different attacks. But it was oh, a single attack that the monster would do that you would release. And, and then I was like, man, that should be a magic item in D&D. &D. Like, how cool would yeah. that be? And then I realized there are, like, four magic items like that. Like, this yeah, one yeah. traps demons. And this one, I think it's called the Iron Flask is the one I'm specifically thinking of, where you can yeah. trap something and then summon it, and it'll listen to you for an hour or something. So, mm -hmm. anyway. But, Lucian, cool. what uh, what uh, bardic <laughs> inspiration did you have, as I almost Mine came from, um, every now and then I like to choose an actor that I really like to go watch. And then I'll go watch a bunch of movies that they've been in and of course this one i was i was thinking about bill murray movies and what about bob and we looked at groundhog day and we and then we we were watching zombie land and uh, bill murray was in all of these ones and, and so i was just thinking about that and then it kind of dawned on me as a challenge to you dungeon masters out there who think you've got it all down <clears throat> who think you're pretty pro dungeon master level could you run a groundhog day adventure for your party and make it kind of fun. Like how would you, what things would you do and what storyline would you set up so that your party wakes up somewhere, they go through the whole day not realizing something's about to happen. Maybe they die, but then you start them back up, they wake up again and they start the whole day and then they will realize quickly because they've all watched the same movies that they're having a groundhog day incident and what are they going to do to get out of the loop because there's all kinds of movies like this and there's all kinds of spinoffs, but Groundhog Day is the one that always sits in my head. Um, and I just thought as a dungeon master, because you're running the same thing over, but you've got to be improv enough to handle all the different things they're going to try. Cause they're going to try a million different things. Now that they know every time I die, I start over until I figure out what's supposed to happen until I start. So they're going to keep doing different things. So you have to be prepared for the different things they're going to do. You can't just be lazy like the rest, most of us and prepare the one thing you think they're going to do and not really worry <laughs> about the rest because <laughs> they're going to try all kinds of crazy, wacky stuff. So I thought as a challenge to you Dungeon Masters out there, and I may do this myself at one point, if you really want to challenge yourself, maybe try to create a Groundhog Day adventure that lasts maybe a session or two until they figure it out. And what is the mechanic that finally gets them out of the loop? you got to figure out what that is. What is the day they're running through, the location and what's going on? And I think you have to have a really good understanding of all the NPCs that they're going to run into and all the motivations and all the ways that something might change what they do that day based on the actions of the players. But I think it could be really fun. And it would be something they would talk about after it was all done and over with. I think it would be super fun. Yeah. Um, the Adventure Zone, the McElroy brothers of My mm -hmm. Brother, My Brother and Me, they do a D&D podcast called The Adventure Zone. And he did that. Oh, uh, he did a Groundhog's Day. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I would encourage you to do it because it was yeah. really cool. And if you want a good idea of how to run it, to like watch. I would listen to those episodes because, uh, man, it's like super it was super good. And yeah. every time they died, they would come back and be like, oh, here we are again. And so. Yeah. Uh, a couple of times the joke would happen where they would just say the wrong thing and then like quickly go like, I don't know, drink poison or jump off something and then reset and come back and do it again. Right. Cause they'd already uh, messed it up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's but uh, it was, it was clever. And that was the whole mystery was why is this town in a time loop? And mm -hmm. they had to like figure out what exactly happened and why it's being destroyed yeah. and, and things like that. So there's something about good. giving your players something they recognize like that. That's pulp culture reference that they'll just grab onto. Too. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. once they realize they're in the groundhog loop, 
they they're just gonna you're gonna see the smiles come out you're gonna see all the craziness come out you're gonna see a really fun session develop because they're gonna dive right into something like that none of them are gonna be like oh this is dumb they're gonna be like oh my god we're in it how are we gonna beat this what they're gonna think of all the movies they've seen that helped them try to beat it and uh, i think they could really draw them in so i thought it would be kind of cool to try so uh, that no, was my definitely do that i think yeah I i'm gonna like go it. watch that one because i want to i want to see it <laughs> A lot of comedy and a lot of humor i would keep it light i would keep it funny um that's what i would lean more towards it, uh, to really go after it and let them really just have fun and like you said if they want to just kill themselves so they could restart because they feel like they've messed up let them go do it um you know let it be funny stuff and and let it be like yeah i drown myself in the bathtub with a rubber ducky or something and okay let's start over and do this thing now you know, let's keep moving okay we're gonna try this this next time no i want to learn piano skills so <laughs> whatever it might be so Too i think funny. it'd be fun. but that was our bardic inspiration so all you dungeon masters out there definitely let us know what your bardic inspiration was over the last two weeks anything that you've been watching reading or just affected you and thought, hey, maybe a campaign could be made about this, an adventure, or maybe a class, or how would I bring this into my D&D game, or whatever it might be. So I did notice you have a discussion topic there. Yeah, it was something. You wanna, um, were you thinking about bypassing it? Uh, <laughs> or do you want to go with it? No, let's talk about our games. I think that's good. Yeah, let's talk about our games. All right. um, and I just want to say, uh, the, the discussion in YouTube was getting a little... Uh, more than I wanted to handle and we don't have moderators and stuff. So for a limited amount of time, I just ended the chat. So I'm sorry, everybody, but uh, continue to watch the show. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, And I hope you understand my reasonings for that Um, because I don't want to, because we don't have moderators. I don't have moderators and I don't want to cause a lot of uh, backlash of stuff. So uh, just so you know, but Lucian, uh, what games you've been playing? What's going on? Besides we heard your character died. So I'm playing the character death game at the moment. So, uh, uh, we uh, it's not necessarily spoilers i guess but um i won't dive too deep into it but my gloomstalker uh died to the breath of a dragon as every adventurer in a dungeons and dragons game should hope to achieve is that a dragon breathes fire on you and that is the end of your character because that is that is quintessential dungeons Mm-hmm. so that is what happened uh died to a, a breath weapon it was super fun missed all my i missed like uh i missed my first two death saves i made the next two and i missed the third one so it was like a four a three a couple of higher numbers and then a four and Ooh. i was out <laughs> and i was like oh no so i died the rest of the party one person went unconscious but stabilized the others ran um so it wasn't a tpk but my character went down and we did have this discussion before about, I kind of let them know that if my characters go down, um, don't go through the whole process of resurrecting them mm-hmm. because I like the idea of making new characters. I like the idea that if that's what happens, that's what happens, let it roll. But I'm also okay. If one of our players says, no, I really love this guy and I want to bring him back. Okay. We'll, we'll go through, we'll go to a, a, you know, somewhere to find a resurrection way to resurrect you and get you back. We'll, we'll go to hell if we have to bring your soul back or whatever if that's what they want which so can just be a whole fun knows. adventure yeah yeah and yeah. that's the whole point is like some people want that adventure but you specifically yeah. you're like i'm, okay. I'm like yeah. i'm ready for it i'm ready for and it was a cool character i really like shady tooth a lot um but i'm always have these ideas of characters so i thought no let me just i'm just gonna roll with it we'll, we'll bring another one in so i am making a new character for that um i'm leaning at the moment towards a pretty 
badass kind of archer build and i've been jumping back and forth between like an arcane archer or maybe a samurai using some of the archer stuff or maybe a battle master and working the battle master stuff into the ranged weapon instead of well most people play it into the melee weapon version of it so that's one route but then i started thinking we're about to play um Dungeon of the Mad Mage, mm-hmm. which is the only adventure really that guarantees you're going to get up to probably level 20. I have never, ever, ever played a level 20 character, mm-hmm. and I have definitely never had a character go from a very low level, say four or five or wherever, I'll be at five for this one, and make it to 20. So it started making me think, well, if the next character I'm going to build and I want to get them to 20, what is the character that I want to be my first level 20 character? Yeah, because that's like a milestone in your your character creation stuff, right? You have when you made your first character, you had uh, who's your favorite character, you've had who's your character that's done all these cool things. Well, who's your character that ever made it to twenty, and what do I want that that story to be? So that that kind of made me start thinking. Well, I've always wanted to do a warlock, a really nice high level warlock. I've been really interested in sorcerer. Don't want to do a really high level sorcerer at some point. So I'm kind of flipping back and forth. I got till Tuesday to decide before the game again. And then we'll. Well, we'll what are some, uh, I mean, you said sorcerer and warlock, but like specifically, yeah. what are some of your options? Like, cause you have like an idea, I assume, or no. I love, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love warlocks to death. And I'm thinking, I want to see what a level 20 warlock looks like. I've never. But like a warlock of the fiend, a great old one. Great a... old one for me. I okay. love great old Blade one. Bladelock or. I'm thinking either Pact of the Chain or Pact of the Tome because okay. I like both of those. But I like the idea of the closet or yeah. some of the things you can do. I love all the. Uh, the Eldritch. gazer. I think there's a gazer yeah. familiar. There's some if you crazy the stuff. Chain. Yeah. Uh, but it, or if I go sorcerer. I'm thinking of a really strong elementalist sorcerer, wild magic, maybe just to see how crazy that is in a game. And I've never seen anybody play the wild magic um, version of that, where the dungeon master makes you roll after you've cast a spell mm-hmm. to see what happens on the wild magic table. Um, it can be fun. We we had a wild magic in my uh, Hot Springs Island game, but mm-hmm. and and maybe it'll be different for you. It's always different for other things. But like we noticed that, or I guess from my perspective, it got kind of annoying to be like, oh yeah, we have to see it, if wild magic goes off. I don't know. Yeah. Like, but uh, it, at certain interesting times, it does say that the dungeon master could just make a wild magic effect happen. And so yeah. I did like that mechanic and I wish that was actually the mechanic. So rather than like, Oh, I cast a spell. I have to roll again to see if wild magic happens. Um, Oh, I cast a spell, but I was under duress or I lost concentration on a spell. And that's mm-hmm. when the dungeon master is like, you know what? Roll wild magic. I'm just, I'm curious yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, I could make so, it happen. Not yeah. just roll to see if it happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that too. And I probably would let the DM do that because when you when you have good dungeon masters and you and you and they know kind of what your character is about, they can help facilitate making that character be able to do that kind of thing. So I think that's kind of cool. But that was really the only game I'm playing. So I've got um, we're just about done with um, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. It's been fun. Yeah. Um, it's had ups and downs. Uh, we also have Acquisitions Inc. is slammed into that. We just got to a level two franchise, so that's part of the thing that's going on. It's really fun to think about when our characters have died that HQ sends another person because we're, we're down a person now and it's fun to have that whole HR has sent somebody else over mm-hmm. from this thing and to play that thing up. Um, this is definitely a band of, of rapscallions. This is a, a band of thieves and cutthroats. So it is a different game to play. It's a little bit less 
were the heroes and a little bit more were kind of bad guys fighting other bad guys. Yeah. Well, so, you're, you're yeah. in it for yourselves <laughs> yeah. rather the than lesser for evil protecting yeah, yeah. and saving people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's been interesting, but I think it'll be fun and I can't wait to do a big slog dungeon dive. I know not everybody loves that style of game, but I love the idea of 18 levels of under deep or under dark and just slogging through tunnels and slogging through caverns and slogging through craziness. And I can't wait to see how that all turns out. So I'm excited to play that. That's going to be super fun. Whoop. Um, oh, no, it's not, Jordan it's not like the that. under dark. It's a uh, under mountain under mountain. Well, I think that's what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, the, yeah. it's the dungeon of the mad mage, which is uh, the dungeon of the mad mage yeah, is yeah. Undermountain, the ruins of Undermountain. Yeah, yeah. So that's where you were getting Underdark, and I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's really exciting. Uh, that sounds fun. I also like making new characters. It's always sad when one dies, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it's like I don't know. It's I've got like 15 mm-hmm. other ones that I want to play. Yeah. Um, boy, lately I've been playing or I've been trying to come up with an idea <laughs> of making like a really strong melee bard. And I mm-hmm. now have this mage slayer build that I created mm-hmm. where he has like the mage. Uh, uh, there's, there's like a, a mage. Everybody killer picks feat. on the mages. That's the um, problem. Everybody yeah. makes a mage slayer. Nobody makes the barbarians. Yeah, you're right. Nobody does. Yes, I think that's cause that's hold person and lightning, <laughs> but I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's been uh, anyway. So now I really want to play this bard that I've been cooking up, but sorry, I'll let you keep going. You had some, some MMOs oh, you're playing? Well, the only other thing I had there it was uh, I lately I just wanted to play some MMOs because I hadn't been playing enough tabletop. Um, so I thought, well, I'll just jump into MMOs, which is the closest you're going to get to a digital version of a, of a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kicked up uh, Final Fantasy XIV Online because I'd heard lots of good things about it. And uh, Fantasy Star Online 2. So two MMOs that are based more of a Japanese MMOs, yeah. more of what they would call an Eastern version of uh, MMOs and a Western MMO. And uh, I've been having fun. Um, I'm taking it slow. I'm not trying to rush through things. The two things that's nice about both of these MMOs are you can switch classes very easily. So you can start out as one thing and you can like, okay, I kind of got the idea of what's going on here, but now let me try this other thing and see Mm -hmm. what it's like. And they just have a really different version set of classes and things you can play. Uh, Western style MMOs are really based on a lot of Dungeons and Dragons style classes. So you'll see a lot of stuff you're familiar with if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Whereas Eastern style fantasy, Final Fantasies and in this uh, uh, Fantasy Star Online, they have some really different stuff that they come up with and some really different ideas of classes and jobs that you can be mm-hmm. a part of. So it's really cool. I'm having a good time um, playing those out. And I think I'm just going to constantly dip into them a little bit here and there as I'm playing a Right now I'm playing a gladiator, which is going to turn into a paladin in Final Fantasy. But I'm also want to try the mages. Because like you just said, there's a white mage and a black mage, a red mage and a blue mage. Those are all Final Fantasy kind of cool things. But then mm-hmm. they had ninjas and uh, samurais and they had, uh, they have all kinds of just summoners crazy classes. And, summoners, yeah. I played a summoner for a long time. And yeah. in Final Fantasy XIV, I played a summoner. So it was, it was fun. Yeah. So very cool. And so I'm playing those. So I'll probably keep that added to my little section of what kind of game stuff i'm playing and i'll bring that to you guys as i play it i may even stream some stuff here or there if you guys want to jump in and play because it's always more fun to play with others when you're playing yeah. MMOs, so. but what did jordan do gaming wise now we heard he's moving so he's playing the moving art yeah so well we didn't have a show last <laughs> week but like and i didn't have rod of seven parts this last wednesday um but the wednesday before uh my i i 
they were my party was in a caravan sarai, which is like a a underground kind of uh, hotel area or abode, I guess I should say. Um, mm-hmm. And this was specifically a resort that they were like going to, but they found out pretty quick that it wasn't your typical resort. Um, and there was a couple of Afridi brothers that were trying to capture people and then uh, take them to the city of brass. And then they would be sold into slavery and things like that. Uh, they, they ended up beating like all of the monsters. Uh, and there was a big, like, Hey, if you turn left, you could go to the city of brass. And they all collectively were like, yeah, we don't want that. And they went like, they didn't even look back. And there was a part of me that was like, Oh, I, that would have been really cool. So now I have all of this city of brass, gameplay that i will i will put in the the back of my mind and i will use it later at some point but uh boy that would have been interesting because i i haven't had a game do that large of a plane jump you know i guess my my friends are in the shadow fell right now but uh that game's on hiatus until the virus is a little more cleared up and until we move Mm -hmm. um I was in this Silent Hill, dark, weird and wild game is the, mm-hmm. the thing we were using. Um, and I couldn't make that because of house stuff I was packing. And then I found out that night that they had a TPK. So oh. that game is now over. And they're all well, really it's excited. Silent Hill, so I would imagine everybody dies. Yeah, they died. Yeah. And so now <laughs> they're going to play a Fantasy Flight Star Wars RPG game that they're very mm-hmm. excited for. Uh, I will not be joining because of house and I just have a lot of stuff going on. But if they continue on, I might join. It's kind of sounds like a lot of them want to be like Jedi or Sith or have force powers. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to be a R2-D2 astrometric droid. Like, and you can in that game. And yeah, I was like on cool. it. That sounds awesome. So maybe I'll join that at some point. Um, so really the only game that's actively happening right now is my wild mount game, mm-hmm. uh, which we're normally play on Saturdays, but we're not tonight because it's the 4th of July. Um, again, uh, my conjuration wizard, uh, Josh, a, he's really fun. Uh, super greedy. Um, he's got a piggy bank familiar that runs around and eats gold in stores. And then I can, you know, put them in an extra dimensional space to keep my money safe. Uh, it's fun. Uh, we're in Zadesh. So if you're a Critical Role fan, we're playing Wild Mount. We're now in Zadesh, which is a huge city. Um, and I'm excited for this because our DM has decided that, like, we're going to spend quite a bit of time in Zadesh hunting for clues and trying to figure out our next move. And we're going to get a series of downtime uh, weeks. Mm. So uh, I was looking at all of the downtime rules um, from Explorer's Guide to, uh, or Xanathar's Guide to Everything. And using those, I'm like, well, I kind of think I want (coughs) to, excuse me, I want to sell this magic item if I can. There's rules to do that. I want to research some spells. There's rules to do that. So we're going to have some some downtime. And I, I like that idea. It's kind of fun. I was wondering how you were handling downtime and do you do it at the table where you're like, okay guys, you had a week. What do you want to do? Or do you do it through chat? Like, which kind of seems the more logical way to do it. Like if if we have a week of downtime, we shouldn't meet to discuss what we want to do. We should just be like, Hey, I want to do this. And then, you know, do some trustworthy roles and go with that. So I don't know. We do it through discord to give everybody a chance to, write up some cool RP scenes that they can have total control of once yeah. we kind of have meshed out what has happened. Like they might say, Hey, I want to try to find this new information. We make some rules and we decide, well, you got some of the information, but you didn't quite get all of it. And uh, how do you think? And here's let's brainstorm some ways that you would have got it. And then they go back and they write in our RP channel 
a little short story of what happened while they were on their own downtime. And it gives them a creative outlet to really show their character off. It gives them a chance to say, like one of ours uh, guys doing a downtime, he wants to create a, uh, a mine. So he's a dwarf. He's creating a mine. So he's going through and hiring things and figure out logistics and how he's going to do that whole thing. So his downtime is always wrapped around that thing. And I think that's fun, but I don't want the sessions because we only meet for such a short amount of time. Yeah. And I want it to be more adventure and and action-filled, whereas we can do all the stuff that's not action-filled, I think, throughout the week in Discords and just have you know fun chats and stuff. Yeah, and that's what I was wondering. I, I actually did the opposite. When I was running hmm. Ghosts of Saltmarsh, we would all get together, and then people would be like, I'm like, okay, uh, what did you guys want to do for downtime? And we would roll some downtime quick, maybe a mm -hmm. little bit of scenes, and then that would transition into, okay, now you have this, now you go on the adventure. And it never took a long time, but now that I'm thinking about it, and now that I'm the one on the receiving end of downtime, I'm like, I've got all of these ideas. Wouldn't that be, a not a, I don't want to say a better way, but like, I, it feels more efficient in a way, and mm -hmm. I like that idea of like, oh, I could show up to the table in two weeks and be like, oh, you had 10 days of downtime. Here's what I wanted to do. Here's what you were able to accomplish. Boom. You know, I've got my information I wanted and I've got mm -hmm. this. And I get the fun of being able to relay that to the group because that's right. a one-on-one -on -one conversation I had with my dungeon master. So, yeah. I don't know. Downtime's kind of interesting. I, I like it. I really, there. you know, I've been studying my uh, Witch Plus Craft book, which is mm -hmm. where I got my my piggy bank familiar and they have crafting rules and stuff like that in that book. And that book's actually nominated for an any. So if you're interested in the, any uh, independent RPG nomination awards, you should go check it out. Uh, but, uh, and I keep gesturing back to my empty bookcase cause that's where my witch plus craft book would be, but really good supplement. And how uh, there's a lot of different ways for crafting magical items and coming up with interesting stuff. And downtime is a fun way of doing all those. So I don't know. I, I'm liking downtime more and more to flush out a campaign setting, you know? So, yeah. Um, other than that, that that's it. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be playing games for two weeks. So uh, this whole week is dedicated to moving. So we'll see about that happening. Uh, Lucian's muted, so I'm assuming there's some kind of an alarm going off, which is really exciting. Uh, uh, is there anything the else we need to talk about before we leave? No? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, thank you again for uh, sharing this podcast with your friends and all that other stuff. We're really excited to have you here. Uh, join us next week for another wonderful episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. And until then, have a great 4th of July. If you are in the Americas, uh, stay safe. And if you're not, please also stay safe. Uh, if you're not in the Americas, because we care about all of you. We will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.